0: Hello and welcome to the fourth episode of the Renee Report's Daily Dose. Today we're going to be speaking on Kyrie ghosting the Celtics, the NBA draft that's upcoming on Thursday, June 20th, as well as the Rockets and where they stand. Coming off of a very disappointing season, there is a a report today that the Boston Celtics and Kyrie Irving have not spoken for multiple weeks. This is coming after many reports that Kyrie is possibly going to be in Brooklyn, and if not in Brooklyn, then definitely going to be a Los Angeles Laker. And as a Celtic fan, this pretty much just assures us that we can guarantee Kyrie is not coming back. And I think that's probably a good thing. I believe the Nets report may have been a smokescreen and that the Lakers have about $34 $34 cap in calf space after their wild trade of trading the entire farm to get Anthony Davis. And this allows them to get someone like Kemba for around $12 million and improve on their depth. Or to get someone like Kyrie and spend a good 30 out of that $36 million and go all in on having three superstars in LA, which we have not been able to say for quite some time other Celtic news, we also have Big Al Horford, who decided to decline his $30 million player option, which is a true G move as a Celtics fan and supporter. I believe he did this more about helping the Celtics and putting us in a better situation flexibility-wise with our cap space to allow us to do what we want believe we will sign Al Horford back to a three-year deal for around $30 million, but the difference being paying him about $10 million per year versus $30 million for one season, which just doesn't make any sense. So it gives us a chance to possibly bring back someone like Terry Rozier or package someone easier and be able to take a cap hit like someone like a Mike Conley if we wanted to add a superstar or leader to this team. I believe that the Los Angeles Lakers are under the impression that the likes of Kemba Walker from the Charlotte Hornets would not only be much better of an acquisition as far as team chemistry-wise, but also Kemba is still somehow willing to take less money when he's been on a deal for $12 million for the last three to four years, which is pretty unbelievable and says a lot about his character and who he is as a person all these factors in mind, I do believe that the Los Angeles Lakers, if given the opportunity to give Kyrie, would take him over Kemba Walker, just because I believe that LeBron, similar to every other team he's ever been on, is the one making the final decision, and back when he had Kyrie, was really the best time of his career as far as he was able to go out of the game when he wanted to, and he had someone who he really could trust with those last few shots in the game the Los Angeles Lakers still have to consider after seeing what the Celtics have gone through and the turmoil that he has caused for about a year and a half now that possibly bringing in someone like Kemba Walker is a lot safer to bring into a newer environment and although Kyrie much ha- might have excuse me, much more talent does not mean that he fits better with the team and is better long term for the success of the Los Angeles Lakers. Now the question is not whether or not the Lakers want to bring in Kemba Walker or Kyrie Irving. I believe they would want to bring in Kemba Walker more. It's more of a question of how much say does LeBron James now have now that Magic Johnson has left the picture, as well as will the Charlotte Hornets give max money to someone like Kemba Walker and just blow the Lakers' offer out of the water and force them to go after the likes of Kyrie Irving bit too early in the process to fully know, but my best guess would be that Kyrie Irving ends up in a Los Angeles Lakers jersey and that Kemba Walker gets paid the mega bucks to stay in Charlotte for four to five years. Quickly transitioning to the NBA draft on Thursday, there's a lot of news surfacing on the fourth pick that the New Orleans Pelicans have received from the Los Angeles Lakers and that they are willing to move it and have been actively pursuing calls for the last few days. It seems that the top candidate to get the pick would be the Hawks. The Hawks have the 8th and 10th pick in this year's draft, and I believe are heavily considering jumping up to the 4th pick to add the likes of a Darius Garland, premier player to put with the likes of Trey Young. Before we can decide exactly who is going to get this fourth pick or if it's going to be on the move by draft day, first we have to understand why the Hawks are the top contender to get this pick and exactly why the Pelicans are passing up on having the first and fourth pick in this year's draft. New Orleans Pelicans received the fourth pick while trading their blockbuster player, Anthony Davis, away to the Los Angeles Lakers. In return, they got Zion Williams. We're already going to be receiving with the number one pick, and now compare him up with the likes of Zion. Excuse me, compare up Zion with the likes of Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, and Josh Hart as the three players they received who are already in the league. And then they received this year's fourth pick in the draft and two more first round draft picks from the Los Angeles Lakers. 2019 NBA draft is stacked with a lot of point guards and shooting guards and I believe this is the main reason that the New Orleans Pelicans are not interested in the fourth pick. Now I do believe the reason they're holding on to this pick until last second would be to see if they could pair the likes of Zion and his best friend RJ Barrett if he could possibly slip past New York but as we all know that is extremely unlikely and it's just not going to happen. But if they could pair them up, it would obviously be not only a dynamic duo, but would really help Zion be comfortable in New Orleans and consider staying long-term. Now, if the about 90% chance that R.J. Barrett does not fall to that fourth pick and there is a Garland or someone they have to take at shooting guard or point guard who's not R.J. Barrett, the reason they would be moving on from that draft pick because they already have the likes of Drew Holiday, who is a fringe all-star, and has really had a last two years of dominance in the NBA. Rumored teams like the Celtics, Minnesota, and the Bulls are also in the mix for number four pick. The question is, is exactly what would teams like the Celtics, Minnesota, and the Bulls be willing to give up? And most likely, Hawks would be able to beat that offer with the number eight and ten pick in this year's draft as that is a very hot commodity in this stacked of a draft class, as well as a return that they're getting immediately versus, you know, getting a few picks in a few years' time where you really have to wait and hope that someone falls to you. Pelicans will surely be looking to get a new big man to add to the roster, replace the likes of Anthony Davis, and having that number 8 and 10 pick would possibly give you two chances to take a swing at two big men like Bol Bol or Hachimara, hope that one pans out and have a lot better chance of success in the future. So believe this will add to their depth that they already really have a lot of and truly make them threat in three to four years for sure down the road in the NBA landscape. Now, if the Hawks or any team does get the fourth pick, it is widely assumed that they will either get DeAndre Hunter from Virginia or Vanderbilt's Darius Garland. Darius Garland only played in five NBA game or excuse me college games because he tore his meniscus his knee. In those five games, he showed enough that I believe he will go fourth or fifth due to his potential, team's needs for a guard in the top five picks like the teams like the bulls or minnesota leave darius garland would be too much of a risk if a team like the hawks got him i believe the hawks would take deandre hunter as he is much more of a sure thing in my eyes in the eyes of most nba scouts and would really help trey young more immediately the report came out today or late last night that Kawhi leonard is still only going to be considering the Clippers in Toronto. And in fact, although that the Lakers would like to pursue and will pursue Kawhi Leonard, it seems as though it is a two-man race and that the Clippers might still have a slight edge in that race. Oh, every day as the parades go on, it seems more and more likely that he will remain in Toronto and make the Raptors a perennial threat to make a run at the chip they could lock up the likes of Kawhi Leonard it would be a huge moment for Toronto's future not to mention it would make the Spurs look simply foolish. Less than a year ago people were doubting Kawhi Leonard on if he would stick with his team and if his desire to play was the same as it used to be. It seems to be questioned that anymore as he's walking around parading in the Toronto streets smiling and making fun of his laugh believe the Spurs will regret calling out Kawhi Leonard and the decision they made for at least the next six to eight years. believe the fact that Toronto was willing to take Kawhi Leonard in that moment of weakness is one of the reasons that Kawhi Leonard will really consider staying and will inevitably end up staying on the Toronto Raptors as they not only took a chance on him, but have one of the deepest rosters in the entire NBA. And see any other team really making a case for him to leave while leonard is only currently making about 23 million dollars per year which is about 23rd in the nba for salary caps so we can safely assume coming off of an nba championship if he does resign in toronto he'll get around 30 to 35 million dollars per year and sign a mega deal for up to four to five years to solidify his future financially Off of a year where many doubted him and questioned him, it's great to see him have such a big turnaround and now be widely considered as a top three player in the NBA consensus, which until this point was a big, hotly debated topic. Leonard has proven many haters wrong and proved many teams to be foolish, not willing to take a chance on someone like him, who in my opinion could make any team in the NBA an immediate contender. Kawhi Leonard appears to be taking in the moment of winning an NBA chip and states that he will take his time on this decision and we can expect this. Expect Kawhi to be one of the last to make his decision on where he wants to be spending his next few years in the NBA landscape. He will not be only one of the last dominoes to fall, but the biggest domino to fall in this NBA free agency. Now shifting back over to the Celtics, what exactly can they do through the post-Kyrie era. Now, if we renounce the rights for all of our free agents, including Big Al and Terry Rozier, we would have approximately $28 million to play with in salary cap. And our main concerns would really only be to replace Rozier and Kawhi, or excuse me, Kyrie at the point guard position, and to add a big center. Last year, we drafted Robert Williams, had a quiet rookie season, but did have times show flashes of why we took him and why he could be a future big piece in the Celtics' term plans. Although this is true, I believe he also showed us why we need to continue drafting that position and strengthening our big men to get more athletic and to adapt to the new NBA style of a run-and-gun big man. I believe we will look to do that and package our 14th, 20, and 22nd pick and get a little bit higher in the draft, whether that be in the lottery in top 10 or to trade one or two of the picks and take our 14th pick but trade away the last two for a future pick as we have the Grizzlies pick next year, which is no doubt going to be valuable and really change the Celtics' future. Now we are already stacked in, we have our shooting guard of the future, Jalen Brown, our small forward of the future and Tatum, and our center of the future and Robert Williams. I believe we really just need to add a lot of depth to the power forward position and get much more athletic, as well as get a true facilitator to add with Marcus Smart, more of a knockdown shooter, like a Fred Van Fleet of the Toronto Raptors. Now, if we decide to use all three draft picks, which I highly doubt we do, the good news about that route would be that we don't have to pay those players for multiple years like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are currently in. And that gives us a lot of flexibility as far as getting someone like Mike Conley or really anyone we want. We know we won't have to pay for a, co- for a few years the services of many rookies. The route that is much more realistic and more likely to take place That we trade up to hopefully get one more big star To add to Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum Trade into the 6 through 8 range And hopefully get someone like a Cam Reddish Or a Darius Garland Really solidify that we're heading in the correct direction We could also go into free agency with our 28 million And get someone like Malcolm Brogdon free agency Avoid drafting the point guard position altogether. Either way, regardless of what the Celtics do, as a Celtics fan and supporter, we will finally see them go back to playing fun basketball and enjoying what they're doing, which is something we did not see majority of last year, as they were always butting heads and there was always some drama going on revolving around Kyrie Irving. Either way, I believe this free agency, although it hurts to see Kyrie walk. Is going to be a big step in the right direction and put us back to our Celtic ways of winning. I believe many want to doubt the likes of Gordon Hayward and Jason Tatum, but need to realize that Jason Tatum's only 21 years old and has much room to grow and will be a star in this league, no doubt. Gordon Hayward is coming off of a very poor year, but is too hard of a worker not to come back stronger, better, and faster and really come through, plan to do that first year before that terrible injury. I believe that Gordon Hayward will come back stronger and will end up being the leader of this Boston Celtics team, someone that we can actually rally behind and really play for. I believe the Celtics will drastically improve not only their record, but how far they go into the playoffs next season, regardless of what we do in the offseason last route that i would like to speak on in the celtics is we also could go all in on this year's draft and trade into a all the way up to a second or third pick in this year's draft by giving up the grizzlies pick that we own next year which is sure to be a top three pick as well as our three picks in this year's draft which would allow us have to take a big risk on someone like the 14th pick who we're a little bit more unsure of ease a lot of the Celtics fan base which is currently in a state of peril and worry news about the Celtics is that we do not find ourselves stuck and thankfully Kyrie was only here for one more year and it ends now so versus teams like the 76ers who find themselves stuck and not sure what to do we can at least move on and figure out what's the best plan of action versus being stuck in contracts that we signed like a Gordon Hayward. Coming on from contracts like Big Al Horford are going to be huge. Put us back on the map. People, I could possibly see the Celtics drafting with that 14th pick, or even just trading up a few picks to get someone. Would be Rue Hachimura of Gonzaga. He is a power forward at six foot eight, 230 pounds. He has a wingspan of seven foot three at only 6'8", coming off of a season where he averaged 19 points per game, shot 41% from three, and got a block and a steal per game. Year prior, he only averaged about 11 points per game and was not nearly as much of an offensive threat or con- as consistent as he was in his junior year. It has also been said that Kevin Porter Jr. from USC could also be skyrocketing in the NBA draft and could be in the 10 to 15 pick range, whereas a few weeks ago it was projected he would go around the 20 to 25th pick in the NBA draft his potential and shooting ability. Fortunately, Kevin Porter Jr. is coming off of ankle and quad injuries on his resume and also has already been suspended in his very short time. In his collegiate career, but has the length that you desire that could easily put him in a top six or seven pick in this year's draft. Could be someone similar to Michael Porter Jr., that teams don't wait to, don't care to wait on because their potential is so high, and they truly just fall in love with the kid. Draft day, it seems as though we can almost expect a trade involving the Memphis Grizzlies with Mike Conley. He is on about a $34 to $40 million contract for the two next years. In the next coming years, he is owed $67 million on a two-year deal. A team like the Grizzlies, who is trying to go young and rebuild quickly, will obviously want to move on from a big contract like Mike Conley and hopefully get a value of one young prospect and a pick in return. Front runners to get Mike Conley at the moment would be the Utah Jazz as they are very flexible with calf space and also have the young talent of Grayson Allen and picks in the last few years that have turned out a lot better than where they were selected and therefore can be put in a trade for Mike Conley and add value to a Memphis Grizzlies team that needs just about everything as far as depth and their future goes other than a big man believe the Grizzlies are definitely heading in the right direction and have seen to learn from their mistakes of holding on to Marcus Gasol, trying to hold on to guys like Mike Conley for so many years, and have finally learned that that's not the route to go. Therefore, we're going to do the complete opposite in drafting Ja Moore with the second overall pick and adding him. The picks they've already gotten in the last few years from being terrible build around in the Nets, in the coming future, excuse me, leave their rush to get so much better next season because they don't really have an incentive to tank the season because the Celtics have their draft pick. So it'll be much smarter to do what the Brooklyn Nets did this year and a lot of depth and decent role players to the team in an attempt to make it, you know, to the eighth or seventh seed of the playoffs and screw a team like the Celtics who thinks they can potentially get a top pick by just adding a lot of depth and putting yourself in a position where you're so flexible that you can get a lot of witty veterans and really make a run at starting to be successful and showing your fans and organization that you're serious about being a contender in the future. Because the Grizzlies are playing for the future, not for the current year. The Rockets appear to be unsure about exactly what they want to do, and exactly what is the best route To run it back next year or to blow up the entire team They have been teeter-tottering From the moment that apparently Chris Paul and James Harden Went into the locker room after losing to Golden State For another consecutive year And Chris Paul apparently called out James Harden And James Harden responded Saying he can't beat his own man his own damn man, how exactly can he give me advice? And I believe this is why the reports came out that Chris Paul was possibly in the trade block and that guys like Clint Capella and P.J. Tucker, who just a year ago they were with contracts and were praising, saying they were the reason they were going to be Golden State next year, are all of a sudden nowhere near a part of their plans in the future. I think this shows the fact that Daryl Morey is not exactly as much of a genius as people believe and has put himself in a really hard spot because he's already rewarded these players for their actions. How Houston can expect to add talent to a place that seems to have very little loyalty, let alone flexibility, due to the ridiculous contracts they have chosen to send out. Houston rewards players far too early and will cost them not only in depth, the relationship with possible free agents in the future. I believe that the Rockets are one of the best regular season teams we have possibly ever seen, but at the same time, are constantly still staring defeat in the face and going short to the same team that they kept saying they were losing to because of injuries and other excuses for the last years. This came to an end this year where we saw Chris Paul and James Harden both relatively healthy, the whole team relatively intact. That was last year just on the cusp of winning, and they yet again failed in an epic fashion. Similar to OKC, I believe they are too focused on accolades in the regular season, and that's all fine and dandy until you don't come until you come up empty for a chip for four years. To the same team you are constantly losing to. In the NBA I believe that teams that do not stick their chest out, like Toronto, Denver, Celtics, and the Lakers, are teams that you should be much more worried about over teams like Houston, Minnesota, and the 76ers, who every year seem to say they're getting better and are somehow going to make a miraculous run at the title this year, but then seem to fall short every year and make excuses. I believe this year was a big learning lesson to players like James Harden and Russell Westbrook, who are constantly chasing triple-doubles and accolades in the regular season, but find themselves burnt out in the playoffs and relying too much on their teammates that, frankly, are just not very good. It is a warning signal to many GMs who are looking for guys like Kyrie Irving and James Harden, who are maybe not particularly leaders and great team guys, but are extremely talented and I believe that can really a lot of teams to put themselves in a bad situation and trust someone who they really shouldn't trust. To end the Daily Dose, I believe it would not be the Daily Dose if we did not go over the Anthony Davis trade that blew up the entire internet for a full two days. And exactly who won that trade and why. Certainly enough, I personally believe that the New Orleans Pelicans certainly won this trade really altered the NBA's landscape, solidified their future in the NBA. Before this NBA season, it was widely assumed that if they lost Anthony Davis, they were not going to be getting back exactly what they wanted. In other words, they wanted young talent, and they wanted it now. But the problem is, is as you wait longer and longer, and a player gets closer and closer to free agency, because of the fact that you can't guarantee when you trade them that they're going to sign for a long-term deal, usually you get a Kawhi Leonard situation where you do get a DeMar DeRozan back, but it's not exactly what you wanted in terms of a superstar for superstar situation. In other words, one team always gets fleeced, and it's usually the team that's giving up the better player. But in this case, the Lakers wanted Anthony Davis so bad and wanted to ensure that he went nowhere else, that they gave up not only the entire farm, of young talent on their roster but they also gave up the entire farm of draft picks for the next three seasons now i believe without ad many assume this would be the end of the pelicans franchise possibly as a whole as many wanted to see the team go back to seattle where we saw kevin durant and russell westbrook first meet safe to assume if they didn't get a lot in return and they didn't get Zion this year, that in less than three years, in my opinion, they could be moved out of New Orleans and lose the team as a whole. They find themselves where they're in a position to get Zion Williams in two days, and have added so much depth, and it is all young talent. Not to mention, they will be getting two draft picks for the next three years straight to add to that young core. Many times we see players in Celtics or Lakers' system usually leave And really improve upon their game and take many more shots. D'Angelo Russell, for an example, was on the Lakers, only averaging about 10 points to 12 points. And last year he averaged about 24 points per game. And really dominated for the Brooklyn Nets and brought them to the playoffs. I could see a similar thing happening to someone like Brandon Ingram, who was not able to shoot as much as he'd like, or at least develop, without getting judged and criticized every day in Los Angeles and now will be in a, much, in a much more relaxed environment in New Orleans and really be able to grow and improve as a player. Also true for Josh Hart, who is also young and extremely talented, as well as Lonzo Ball, who is going to be given the opportunity to be the primary ball handler, which there's no chance he was ever going to get at the Los Angeles Lakers with LeBron James there and Rajon Rondo, and really show what they can do. The best part about this situation for the New Orleans Pelicans is that not only are these all young players, but they're not getting paid yet. So these players are all not getting paid and all have to prove themselves to get that Nets contract. So you can safely assume their best days or most effective days should be in a New Orleans Pelicans jersey in the coming seasons. So it makes New Orleans a free agency destination as they've now secured Zion Williams, who I'm sure anyone would love to play with. And have a really young roster that allows a lot of flexibility. Maybe not a top tier free agent, but in a case like the Pacers, they've shown that is not always what you need, and that guys like Victor Oladipo might not be a top tier free agent, but should be considered that. Similar to a Tobias Harris, where if they're on the New Orleans Pelicans or the Orlando Magic, you can see them dropping 25 points per game which is superstar numbers, it's just not on a superstar team. Lakers, I believe this is a huge risk that they had to take. have no young talent coming in for the next three years straight. They only have six players signed under their contract currently. This does make them extremely flexible with $34 million to play with, but does mean they have to add eight players to the roster and have almost no depth if they sign... Another other max players that keep stating they'd love to do. They're also currently in the Western Conference and will obviously remain there, which allows them to play teams like Portland and Utah in the later picks, like the 7th or 8th seed. And although these teams won't have better rosters than the Lakers by the end of the season, it is true that they've been together for many years and still have guys like C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard that just make it hell to go through that Western Conference versus a team like the Celtics that might not be as good, but just doesn't have to go through nearly as much talent. Also, in my opinion, a fact that no one wins their first year together, whether it be Dwayne Wade and and LeBron James, who were best friends at the time in Miami when they lost to the Mavericks with Dirk, be Golden State having to go through losing year after year until they went on their run, personally believe that with anthony davis's unfortunate ability to seem to always be injured when it really matters and lebron james getting injured for the first time last year we've seen in a while it really shows all in on the next few years and i'm just not sure they can guarantee that they can come up with a roster even with these two absolute beasts that can beat these teams in the West that have just played together longer, have more chemistry, will have much more depth, I guarantee it. As far as talent, I mean, you add LeBron James, obviously, last year, who's the biggest free agent to add possible, and then you get the biggest person to trade for who everyone's wanted in Anthony Davis. So as far as walking the walk, they have gotten Anthony Davis. They have gotten LeBron James, so I... I credit them for following through on what they said they wanted to do. I believe they will still have to pay Anthony Davis at a long-term deal if they want this deal to even be considered successful. And reportedly, he is going to be playing through next year's season and not signing an extension, which I believe will throw many people off guard and surprise many, and show that it is possible that if they is basically a win the chip next year, all or nothing, or else we could see Anthony Davis walk and the Los Angeles Lakers be in a situation where they just have LeBron James all over again, scratching their head like the Celtics are this year over the likes of Kyrie Irving, all because on paper, or theoretically, it can always look great, but that's not usually how it tends to work out. Paul George and Russell Westbrook look great together. C.J. McCollum and Damian Lillard are awesome to watch, but sometimes it's just Not how the cookie crumbles, and it's just not how it works out. With the likes of Golden State being very vulnerable next year, you can safely assume that a lot of teams like Denver and other teams that were on the cusp will make a big effort to really strengthen their rosters, solidify themselves as serious contenders. I just don't know if the Lakers can get past them or can even get healthy to the playoffs. Me personally, it seems like a lot of risk, And a very big reward if they do in fact win. Still have to wonder if giving up all that young talent and giving up on all those guys that you picked correctly and spent a lot of time in developing is really the right move. And whether or not if LeBron just won his agent, one of his agent's clients and one of his really good friends to join the team, which he's done plenty of times before, and we see a team like Cleveland still trying to recover from the things that LeBron James unfortunately is done to them i could either see the lakers in a year winning a chip similar to toronto last year coming out of nowhere and really bolstering their team but unfortunately i just don't believe they have the depth like toronto already did before Kawhi Leonard got there and although they do have 34 million that's not enough to add the kind of depth they need to add and therefore next year i believe they will not win an nba title therefore i believe that the Pelicans not only won the trade, but will win the trade as far as history goes. And I believe Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram will really be lit afire for the fact that the Lakers believe that they weren't worth keeping around and valuable enough to build around. When in reality, those are two top five picks that have been given very little opportunity play and mess up and learn from their mistakes and get better as players. I feel like while you're in L.A., a lot of times you find yourself getting judged or tormented and expected to be this great player regardless of age, and it's just not realistic. So although LA's great, and I'm glad they're finally relevant again, Los Angeles Lakers fans need to realize just because they finally came through with their word doesn't exactly mean they can build an entire roster around him in one year. And I think we need to pump the brakes a little bit on making the Los Angeles Lakers favorites to win the NBA title or even in the top three to win the NBA title, in my personal opinion. that has been The Daily Dose from Carson Renee. Thank you so much for listening and leave any comments or concerns down below. Peace.